Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Please give your attention now to the reading of God's holy word. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's go before the Lord once again in prayer. Father, how we do plead with you that you would help us to receive these words well, that you would teach us how it is that we are to humble ourselves before you, how it is that we are to seek you with all of our hearts. Lord, may it be that when we do various things that are meant to be done for the sake of the worship of your name, may it be, Lord, that we would never do things for the sake of our own gain, for the sake of our own reputation, but Lord, consume us with a glorious vision of your glory. And may it be that we would seek this all the days of our lives, that it would be the sole focus of everything that we do. And even, Lord, as we look to your instructions with regard to fasting, may it even inform this. For, Lord, we do ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, over the past several weeks, we've been looking at certain spiritual disciplines that the Lord Jesus has been teaching us about how we are to do them before God. How can we do these things in ways that are acceptable to him? And now we come this morning to fasting, to fasting. Now, this is something that I think is often overlooked in the Christian life today. There are very many people who uh, do not fast. Uh, It's probably not as normal of a Christian discipline as it was in times past. And Notice here in the passage in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ is assuming that Christians will fast. There is an assumption that this will be a normal part of the Christian life. And I think there is a particular danger for us as we consider fasting. Because it is rarely done today, there is a tendency, I think, for Christians when they try to fast, not to do it correctly. That is to say, it is something that maybe you could be tempted to think more than other things. All Christians pray. Not all Christians fast, likely, so it appears. And so if you do fast, there is going to be a greater temptation to think that your fasting in some way makes you superior to other Christians who maybe you don't perceive uh, ever fasting. The, the rarity of doing fasting leads to common misunderstandings and I think particular temptations for Christians. Notice here, fasting is assumed that it will be done And there is instructions about how we are to do it. Just because you fast does not mean that that fast is, in fact, acceptable to God. There are many ways in which you can fast, and you receive nothing from the Lord. 
as the Lord Jesus Christ teaches here. You, re you receive only the praise from men that you are seeking. And so the Lord Jesus Christ here continues. He's speaking now of fasting. This is really the end of three spiritual disciplines, three things that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has been speaking of. And these were particular things that the Jews thought were important for piety. If you were going to live a holy life, you needed to give, as the Lord Jesus Christ has addressed at the beginning of Matthew 6. You need to pray. You need to pray often, as the Lord Jesus Christ addresses in the middle of uh, this passage. And then you also need to fast. Those were the, were the three main things that the Jews thought were required to live a godly life. And yet here the Lord Jesus Christ says, listen, it's good that you do all those things. I am assuming that you ought to do them. And yet in every single case, just because you do them, it does not mean that the doing of them is acceptable and pleasing to God. And so whereas we looked at earlier, particularly in chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ was addressing misunderstandings of the law, particularly as they related to the way in which we treat other people. So here and now, Jesus is concluding a look at spiritual disciplines and particularly with the way in which they relate to our relationship to God. And he's comparing what it looks like to do these things as a hypocrite versus how to do these things in a truly godly way. So there are two ways of doing things. And in each of these examples, as we've been looking at, there are two kinds of people who receive two different kinds of rewards because they do these things for two different ends. So there is the person who fasts for the sake of being seen by man. He's a hypocrite and he will receive nothing from God. On the other hand, there is the one who fasts so as to be seen by God. He is the godly one. and He actually receives a reward for God. So there are two kinds of people. The doing of fasting does not guarantee, in fact, that it is going to be uh, acceptable to man. And this is because the fast that God receives, that he accepts, is the fast where we humble ourselves before him rather than exalting ourselves before men. That's really the difference. The hypocrite in his fasting seeks to exalt himself before men, whereas the godly seeks to humble himself before God. Now, we'll actually look at this passage under three headings. First, I, I want to just consider briefly uh, fasting in general. What, what did the scriptures teach about fasting? What is it? And the reason why I want to do this is because, as I mentioned, I think fasting is one of the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that we as Christians today in today's world um, do not often think as much about. We think often about prayer. We think about reading the word, but fasting sometimes gets overlooked. So we're going to look a little bit about what the scriptures say fasting is and why we do it. And then we'll look at how you are not to fast in verse 16, and then secondly, how you are to fast in verses 17 uh, and 18. So what fasting is, how you're not to fast, how you are to fast. So now the question, the ba basic question, what is fasting? Why is it that people fasted in the Old Testament and, the New, and in the New Testament? What, were, what was the purpose of fasting? Now, if we were to ask just a very basic question, what is it? The idea is, is that you deprive yourself yourself of, of certain things that the body usually needs. And the reason you do this would so be like, uh, like food, drink, that sort of thing. And the reason you do this is to humble yourself before God. That is the, the main, uh, that is the main thing that fasting does. It is basically an overflow of a heart that is already humble before God. So there's a connection that we have between our souls and our bodies. When your soul is humbled, it's fitting that you would express that humility in the way in which you, you uh, conduct yourself in, with, with, with regard to your body. And so, um, you know, uh, very often if something tragic happens, oftentimes we will feel like we don't want to eat. There is the, and the reason is because there is a, a mourning that we do 
in terms of the way in which we partake of food that corresponds to the feelings of our souls. Fasting is something similar. There we are foregoing food in order to humble ourselves before God. So there needs to be this connection, a, a, a kind of fast where you, uh, where you do not partake of food or drink, but the soul is not humbled is really defeating the purpose of the fast itself. And this is why in the Old Testament, when people would fast, when fast would be called, they would also put on sackcloth and ashes. The, the idea is that you would, uh, in every way, show that you are humbling yourself before God, that you would humble yourself before God. And in this way, then, fasting is related to mourning. Fasting is always related to mourning. You are showing forth the inward sorrow that you have in your soul. This is why later in the book of Matthew in chapter 9, this is why uh, when, when Jesus is asked about his disciples not fasting, he gives the particular response he does. He says, well, they can't fast now. I'm the Messiah and I've come. The, the, the bride and the bridegroom are together. There's, there's no way you can fast when the bride and the bridegroom are together at, at the wedding. It doesn't make any sense. It's a time of rejoicing and fasting is a time of mourning. But he does say then, the Lord Jesus Christ does say then, that there will be a time when the bridegroom will be taken away, and then they'll fast. They'll fast because there will be an occasion for mourning. They'll, be, they'll need to mourn because the bridegroom is taken away. And until the, the bridegroom comes back, there will always be a situation in which the bride needs to mourn as she awaits her husband. And as we ourselves, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, have to deal with tragedies in this world, as we await the consummation of all things, the return of our Lord, and even as we ourselves are not fully delivered from the body of sin that we still struggle with day in and day out. And so that is the idea of fasting. We humble ourselves before God. And as I mentioned a number of times, fasting here is assumed. It is to be a normal part of the Christian life. This is why, for instance, we, we've called it, uh, several fasts uh, even since uh, I've become the pastor, we, we fasted uh, when I was going to be ordained, seeking the Lord that he would, that, that he would, uh, that he would bless the ministry of the word. We, we fasted when COVID began, asking the Lord, pleading with him that he would take away uh, the COVID virus. We fasted before the election, asking that God uh, would, would spare the country and not give us over to judgments as we thought uh, through all the sins of this particular uh, country. Fasting is a good thing. It's to be a normal part of the Christian life. It is good for it to be done corporately, as we've done a few times. It's also good to be done individually as well. It's good to be, to be, to be done individually as well. When there are things that happen that are worthy of mourning over, that are things that you should mourn over, it is at that point appropriate for you to fast, particularly, particularly when that mourning is related to something for which you should pray. And this is another aspect of fasting that's very important throughout the scriptures. Fasting is never to be done as an end in itself. Even the humbling of yourself before God is not an end in itself. It's for the sake of bringing a petition to God from that state of humility. This is why fasting is always related to praying. There's, there's really no benefit that you have from simply depriving yourself of food. Uh, it, it, it in no way is acceptable to God simply because you do that. The, the purpose of it is to humble yourself before God to, to show that as you bring your request before God that you are doing so with a humble heart as you mourn over the thing for which uh, you are praying. And so if you were to think, you know, when would it be appropriate for me to fast personally? It would be when there are things that happen for which you should pray, some kind of tragedy. So for instance, uh, if there is a sin that you are struggling with, do you mourn over your sin 
to the point that you humble yourself, that you would be willing to humble yourself before God by depriving yourself of food so as to bring an earnest, heartfelt petition before God that he would remove the sin from you. That is a reason to fast, to mourn over sin, even to mourn over the sins that you see within society. As you see a number of sins that are happening in our society that uh, are tearing the country apart in many ways, that are even leading people from, from death to death, that would be a good reason to, to mourn and then to fast and to plead with the Lord from that state of humility that he would uh, remove these sins, that he would grant repentance, that he would bless the preaching of his word so as to shine uh, a light in a dark place and to turn people away from their sins that they might turn from death to life itself. The things for which you should fast and the things which the scriptures say that you should mourn for, the things which the, the scriptures say you should pray for are all connected. They're all connected. And so an, an, another good reason to fast would be, you know, if you have uh, a, an unbelieving family member or an unbelieving friend and you're, you're concerned for this person, you're, you're, you're concerned, e e e even if the person may not be openly an unbeliever, maybe if they're just uh, struggling spiritually, this would be another reason to, to fast, to seek the Lord, to humble yourself and, and to plead with the Lord, to be merciful and to be gracious for this particular person. Anything for which we should pray, anything that the scriptures teach us that we should mourn over is also a good reason to fast. So this is a brief overview of what fasting is. It is humbling ourselves before God outwardly in our bodies as a reflection of the humbling of our souls before him that we might bring heartfelt petitions to him for things that are related to his word for which we should be mourning. That's the idea of fasting. Now, as I give that this brief definition of fasting, you can immediately see how perverse it would be if you were to fast in, in order to be seen by others so as to be praised by them. It is diametrically opposed to the purpose of fasting as it's given in the scriptures. But this is very often the, the temptation that we have. If your fasting is done such that you want other people to see that you are godly because you fast, you are actually exalting yourself before men by doing something that is supposed to show your humility before God. It is diametrically opposed to what the scriptures teach fasting is all about, which is why the Lord Jesus Christ teaches that when you fast, it, it's not even just that if you are doing this, if you're uh, doing these things to be exalted before men, that, it, that you, know, you won't receive the thing that, that, uh, that you should receive, that you're seeking from God. The, the idea is that it is positively something that God does not like. If you pervert fasting in this way, it is displeasing to God. You may think that you are fasting in such a way that it shows your godliness, but in fact, you could be doing something more sinful than the person who doesn't fast at all uh, if you are fasting for this particular way. And so the Lord Jesus Christ says, he says in verse 16, what you are not to do, you are not to be like the hypocrite. The hypocrite who fasts is worse off than the person who even does not fast. You are not to be like the hypocrite. Now, what is the hypocrite? What, how, is, how can someone be a hypocrite when he fasts? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to describe uh, what this is. He says, they put on a sad countenance. So they uh, outwardly show themselves to be sad. Now, as I mentioned, even with these, some of these Old Testament examples, there could be appropriate times to be sad, and even there is always a connection between uh, mourning and fasting. The idea here is that someone is putting on a sad face in order that other people would see that they have a sad face, and that's the only reason why they are doing it. And then it says in verse 16, 
going on, they disfigure their faces that it might appear to men that they are fasting. The idea is they, they, are, they are doing whatever they can in order to show men that they are in fact fasting uh, before others. And there's even a play on words here, very, very interesting in the original, uh, between the words disfigure and being seen by man. The, the, the idea would be something like they make themselves uh, unrecognizable in their faces in order to be recognized by God. That's the idea. And even that, that play on words the Lord Jesus Christ uses uh, even shows the perversity of the action itself, that the thing they are doing is the opposite of the effect that they are trying to, to produce in men. They disfigure their faces, which is supposed to be a sign of humility, and yet they're doing it in order to be recognized themselves by others. And in such a way, then they pervert what a true fast would be. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ teaching on this is exactly in line with the Old Testament. Uh, there are all kinds of places where the scriptures in the Old Testament would condemn a fast that the people of God uh, do, they perform, because it was not done with the right heart. So Joel 2 says, rend your hearts and not your garments. The idea there is there is this judgment that is imminent. And the people of God are saying, look, we're fasting. We're, we're pleading with God to take away this judgment. We're humbling ourselves before him. And Joel says, well, all you are doing is tearing your garments, but your heart, you're not rending your heart. There's not, a, there's not a connection between the fast that you are outwardly displaying before others and the humility of heart that you should have. Isaiah in Isaiah 58 says something similar. You think you're going to be heard from God because you're fasting, but on the day of your fast, you oppress others. What kind of a humble person who's bringing petitions before God would then go out and uh, abuse others on the day where you're supposed to be humbling yourself? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, think of Zechariah as well, Zechariah 7, 5, where uh, the prophet says, and God through the prophet, was it for me that you fasted? Uh, the, the, the idea is, is that there was even habitual fasting in the days of Zechariah when uh, the people of God were returning from exile and were going to, to, to build the temple. They're apparently mourning, but God challenges them. He says, you know, even though you are fasting habitually, you are fasting regularly, even so, your fast is not for me. It was not done for me. And so if you do not fast for the end of the glory of God, then your fast is not acceptable to him. It's not acceptable to him. Now, in all of these things, it could be tempting to say, well, if this is the case, then I can never let anyone ever know that I'm fasting, that it has to be completely secret in every single case. And we've looked at how in the Lord Jesus Christ's teaching on giving and his teaching on prayer, that's really not the conclusion that he's trying to, to bring you to. It's not the case that no one can ever know that you're fasting. The idea is more with regard to purpose. Do you fast in order to be seen by men? If you do, it is not acceptable to God. Now, we see all throughout the Old Testament, and, and we've even given examples of here in this church where there have been times where we've called corporate fast. In the Old Testament, it's very regular for there to be corporate fast. In that case, then, everyone would know that everyone else is fasting. Uh, there are um, you know, things in the Old Testament that were done. Sackcloth and ashes is not condemned, even though if someone's wearing sackcloth and ashes, you would immediately know that the person is fasting. The idea is not that you would hide your fast such that no one could ever know it, um, you know, uh, th there, there can even be a temptation, I think, in light of this, this passage to, to, to even uh, be tempted to lie if someone asks you, are you fasting, to just say that you're not. There, there's no obligation for you to, to do that. You can simply say, yes, I'm fasting, if you're asked directly. The idea is more of the heart. The, the, the idea is the heart. Are you fasting with the purpose to be seen by men, or are you fasting for the purpose 
of being seen by God? That is the question. That, that is what distinguishes godly giving from not godly giving, godly prayer from not godly prayer, godly fasting from not godly fasting. The idea is, rather than exalting yourself before men, you are humbling yourself before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives the reason here at the end of verse 16. The reason you're not to be like the hypocrite is because all that they will receive is the thing that they aim at. If your only goal is to be exalted before men, Jesus basically says, congratulations, you'll be exalted before men. You'll receive nothing else. You will receive only an improved reputation before men, and that probably only for a short time, but you'll receive that from men. People may be really impressed with you, but you will receive nothing from God. You'll receive absolutely nothing from him. There is nothing inherently special about depriving yourself of food. There's nothing inherently special about that. There's nothing inherently praiseworthy about it. Uh, there are all kinds of people in different traditions who will live completely ascetic lives. They will deprive themselves of very many things, and they are quite far from the Lord. It, it, there is no special benefit of depriving yourself of food. However, there can be a godly way to deprive yourself of food in order to bring petitions and requests before God. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking of, and this is what a godly fast is. Notice that in verses 17 and 18, then, he gives the positive commands. What you are to do. How are you to fast in a godly way? Notice what he says here. That you are to do two things uh, in, in particular. Anoint your head and wash your face. Now, these two things are just basically normal hygiene things that were done in the first century. So the idea is um, you're not going to go out of your way in order to be seen by others to be fasting. You are you're just going to simply go about your own business because the goal is not to be seen by them. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to say. At the, be the beginning of verse 18, you are not fasting in order to be seen by men. The hypocrites do that, but you are not to do that. Rather than the, the second part of verse 18, you are simply to seek to be seen by God. And if you are seeking to be seen by God, there's no reason, the idea is, for you to show yourself publicly to be fasting because God is not the one whose eyes are confined to only seeing in public. If the goal is to bring a petition before God, and if the goal is to humble yourself before God, and if God then does not just see in public, and he's the one who sees in secret, then there is no reason simply to show yourself publicly to be fasting and then to keep yourself uh, privately uh, in, in such a in such a, a state that you uh, do not show yourself to be fasting. The, the whole goal, the whole goal is that before God you are fasting. If you are truly mourning about something, think of this, brothers and sisters, this train of logic in terms of why you would fast. If you are truly mourning over something that is grieving your soul, and you know that God is mighty, that if He hears your prayer, that and He answers it, that whatever you are grieving about will be fixed. And you say then, I'm going to humble myself before God to humbly petition him that he would, in fact, hear my prayer. And I'm going to fast then. I'm going to bring my petitions before him. It simply, if that is your goal, it simply does not matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what they say about you. The, the goal is to have God hear your particular prayer and for him to respond. The goal is the glory of God. Now, and this, this helps us to even think about uh, the the level of appropriateness in terms of the, the public display of fasting. You know, there, there are other places, we, we've talked about this particularly with giving, um, 
there could be some tension as some people read the, the Sermon on the Mount in, in uh, Matthew 5, 16. The Lord Jesus Christ says, let your light so, so shine before men that others may see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. There, there is a public nature to, to the good works that are being done. Uh, the light is shining before men. That's your good works. Other people are seeing the good works. And yet, in chapter 6, here, the Lord Jesus Christ seems to say, well, don't let anyone see what you're doing. How do we put these things together? If you remember what I said, the idea is, is that the whole goal is simply to do whatever is necessary for the sake of the glory of God and to have it be completely independent of being praised by men. As, as one scholar put it, the light of a Christian character will shine before men, so putting these two things together, will shine before men and win glory for God without the artificial aid of public advertisement. Without the artificial aid of public advertisement. Again, the light of a Christian character will shine before men and win glory for God without the artificial aid of public advertisement. Now, the reason, the reason this is the case is because the God who sees in secret can also reward in secret. He is the one who also rewards in secret as the Lord Jesus Christ says. And think, brothers and sisters, how comforting this is. You humble yourself before God and you bring your petitions, your requests before him. You even, you fast and you, you strive with the Lord to see your prayers answered. How comforting it is to know that when you seek him like that, the Lord Jesus Christ says you will find him. You will find him. You will have a reward from your father who sees in secret. He hears the prayers of his people as they cry to him day and night. He hears the prayers of his people. He answers them. He's near to them. As the Lord Jesus Christ will say just a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask, seek, knock. God will be found by you. He'll be found by you. What a, what a great comfort to know that if you humble yourself before God, if you just disregard the praise of men, just, just doesn't matter one way or the other, and you simply seek God, at that point, he will hear you. He'll hear you and he will reward you. You see, brothers and sisters, the whole point of all these, of all these things, these three examples that the Lord Jesus Christ gives, giving, prayer, fasting, the point is, that both the hypocrite and the godly receive what they aim at. They, they get what they aim to receive. They get exactly what they are trying to get. The ungodly aims a reputation from men and receives it. He does receive exactly what he's aiming at. The godly aims at pleasing the Father, and he also receives this. The whole difference between the godly and the ungodly is simply the principle, as it's, as it's as sometimes said, coram deo, that you would live before the face of God, that everything that you do in this life would be done conscious of the fact that God is the one who sees you. God is the one who sees. And if God is pleased with what you're doing, then you'll do it. If God is not pleased with, with what you're doing, then because God is not pleased with, with what you're doing, then you will not do it. Everything in life is to be done before the face of God. And so brothers and sisters, I ask you this morning, what are you aiming at? Are you aiming to be praised by men or are you aiming only to please your father who is in heaven? These two things are mutually exclusive. You can never have both. You can never have both. This is why the Lord Jesus Christ will say later, which we'll look at that even next week, that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot both seek the praise of man and the praise which comes from God. You can only either have one or the other. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ has given these three particular examples. And again, I mentioned because the Jews 
thought that these were the, you know, the height of godliness. If you were doing these three things, this, this showed that you were a godly person. And so he uses these three examples to show that in and of themselves, these things are insufficient. The reason I bring that up is because this, this principle is not simply to apply to these three things. It's to apply to your entire life. Everything that you do, the Lord Jesus Christ was using these examples because it was convenient to, to contrast with the, the, the things that the Jews were doing. He could have said any number of other things. The point is that everything in your life, everything must be done in a way that's dedicated to God. Everything must be done before him. Everything must be done for the sake of the glory of God and not for the sake of the glory of yourself. This is the thing that distinguishes the hypocrite from the godly. He seeks God. He seeks God with all his heart. May it be that God would give you the grace so to seek him and that in seeking him, even as has been promised, that you would find him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we do thank you for your word which teaches us. Lord, how we do confess before you that very often we do seek the praise of others that we do not humble ourselves before you as we ought. Lord, how we plead with you that you would forgive us, that you'd be merciful to us. And even, even as the Lord Jesus Christ, as the one who perfectly humbled himself before you, and who after that was exalted by you, for he pleased you perfectly. Lord, even so, even as he has done this, that he might win obedience and godliness for his people. Lord, may it be that we would be granted in the gospel through our faith in him, that we would grow in this very thing, that we would always seek your glory above everything else, that we would strive for the sake of the good of your kingdom, and that we would not be so concerned with what other people think of us, but rather be concerned with, with what you think of us. For Lord, we do ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart that through the preached word, your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.